0: What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. 7 (laughs) o'clock. So welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. Is anyone in the room for the first time tonight? Good. Very good. Very good. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance. You might experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery, why? The the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. what I'll do for you, or I'll try to do for you, is I'll try and show you how I find my experience in the book, because it's a book of experience. And I'll encourage you to have your experience, and if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Any of you been here before, can witness for these folks that happened? So for those of you online, you can't see them, but they're raising their hand. Um, in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking to you about a sensory experience, right? You'll, you'll feel it, and when you do, we'll know. And, and so when, when I know what's going on, I'll call it to your attention so that you understand that we're not talking about something conceptual, we're talking about something experiential. We would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? So tonight we're going to look at step three, but before we do that, for those of you inclined, we have a, a church service in New Freedom because some of our people can't go out or don't care to go out. Every Saturday night. Seven o'clock, the doors open. Seven thirty is the service. Chaplain Sam Lee, thirty years with the Department of Corrections. You guys, some of you may know him from there. Um, uh, He officiates that, And and you all are welcome, and your families are welcome. It is the Recovery Church. Everyone is welcome there. Okay. So, having said that, we're going to take a look at the step three experience, and it starts in chapter 5, chapter called How It Works. For those of you who want to follow along in a book, any of you never read this book before? Everyone's read it or tried to read it, or you've not read it? Okay. So what you'll learn is this is a very hard book to read. Someone has to show us, and, and that's really the whole purpose of this, If you read it on your own, it seems like you're reading a story about other people. When someone shows you how to find your experience in it, you realize you're reading a book about you, and it's helping to overcome some of your delusions. And yes, we all have some delusions, even to the present day. So it starts out by saying, rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. So there's a promise and a condition. Did you catch it? The promise is what? Rarely have we seen a person fail. So who's we? Their first 100. And this is the book, the story, of the first several thousand men and women who have recovered. So they have a good body of evidence, evidence-based, that they have very rarely seen someone fail. The condition was what? He said followed their path. So it's the first 100. It's not Barney in the back of the room who got a path from... Sam, this is their testimony. Notice they did not say paths. They said path. So it's, a, it's critically important that we have the encounter they have, that we move through the process they did, if we want the results they got, because this is their experience, not ours, until we join them in the fellowship of the Spirit, which they'll talk about later. Yeah? Okay. So it says those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So you might want to know honest with themselves about what? Any ideas? They've talked to us about the admission and then they've talked to us about the experience and they've been very specific about a couple of experiences that we have in common as addicts of the hopeless variety. If you go back to the doctor's opinion III, Roman numeral 28 and you go to the bottom of the page, the doctor says that men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Yep. How many of you are sober in here tonight? how many of you can still bring to consciousness the effect produced if you allow yourself to? Whew. So i just felt you all do it again. You guys are junkies, aren't you? Yeah. So, number one, I know what ease and comfort feels like, and I know where to find it, even years sober, even knowing the harm that that's done. So I got it. That is the explanation, the understanding of what admission of powerlessness is. Stone cold sober, a whole room full of people, 300 people to a person can bring it to consciousness right now. This is something we need to be honest with ourselves about, right? And then what it tells us is the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it injurious they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. To them their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. So when you stopped, the rest of the world didn't stop using drugs and drinking. True? Did you notice that? They still sell at the store. They didn't, you know, have a moratorium in honor of your stopping. No, no, no. (laughs) So we're going to live in a world where people seem to do it with impunity. We're going to get more and more distance Yet, stone cold sober, knowing the harms it's caused me, I can still bring to consciousness that ease and comfort. And when I can't, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And I'm starting to look for ease and comfort in other ways. Yes? Okay, that's one thing i got to be honest about. Now let's go to 50 and see what... Because that's just passed a little chapter called There's a Solution, and then they went into We Agnostics. And so by 50... They're starting to tell us about the tangible experience that's going to replace and surpass that which I've been chasing in the world, right? And half of the, so if you, so no one gets too gnarled up about it, half the original 100 were atheists or agnostics, the other half were believers dying of their addiction. So regardless of where you are in your belief, to a person this is the experience, fair? So we're on page 50. So here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, I'm at the bottom of the page, sorry, they flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. How many of you could use such a revolution? How many of you have been sober a while and still realize the need for a revolution on an ongoing basis? Okay, okay. So in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Does that sound conceptual? Does that sound like a God of your understanding? No, that sounds like a God that surpasses all understanding. Flowing into me regardless of my belief to a person. There were some conditions. Came to believe in a power greater than myself. Take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things. We're talking about step three, what do you think those certain simple things might be? Maybe four through twelve. huh? And then wash, rinse, repeat, right? Because it's a manner of living, not a workbook exercise. So those are the two things i got to be honest about. I've had my encounter, that was last week. I've had that expression of power within me. I have experienced powerlessness. I just refreshed my mind when I brought to consciousness the ease and comfort from the drugs or the alcohol, even though I'm sober many years and know the harms it's done. And so this is what I've got to be honest with myself about as I learn to discipline my mind. Does that make sense? Okay. So tells us from there that there are such unfortunates. So I laid it out for you logically because Bill Wilson laid it out for us logically. It's more logical to believe than not to believe based on our experience, you lay out the case. And his observation is even though we lay that out, there's still somebody in every room that says, I felt that, but I'm not buying that crap. I'm just fine, I don't pick up no matter what. Screw you. And that's okay, that's okay. But they're they're there. There are such unfortunates. And what it tells us about them is they are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of live, which living which demands rigorous honesty. Guys, until you're out serving, you shouldn't expect complete freedom. None of us lives in complete freedom all the time. All of us have attacks of the mind, but we have man- we have learned a manner of living. Number one my ease and comfort comes from within me instead of in the world which is a handy little trick to know for an addict of the hopeless variety. Okay, so their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So have you ever met those people in our fellowships with the grave emotional and mental disorders? You seen them? Can you, can you bring them to mind? Have you started to figure out it's you? <laughs> they wrote this book in a very inoffensive way so that we could have self-discovery without self-obliteration, right? It's, it's, it's through a process of coming to realize. And if you don't get what we're saying, everyone who ever goes to a fellowship for the first time looks around and they think, I hope no one here that I know sees me. <laughs> like it's a secret that I've been doing this shit, right? Right? Or we go there and we don't think we belong. How many of you? Where's my my brethren and sisters that have been to a public detox? Do you notice there's a lot of people there we don't want to be like? They tell you like they told me that I was there as a patient and not an observer? We always, we always, and everyone you take new always wants to save everyone. Can't get up, but they're saving Because that's what we are. Okay. So our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, what we're like now. So important we get this. We're bearing witness just like they did. It's not what it was like. That was my perception, and it was delusional. What I was like. I was restless, irritable, and discontent. I was full of guilt, shame, and remorse. I was self-absorbed, but I thought you were self-absorbed. And then I encountered this power, and I embarked on this manner of living, and I'm less so today. So much so that I live a life of service to others, and I I show up when I say I will. Does that make sense? Okay. What I was like, what happened, what I'm like now. And it's self-evident. We all show up. Right? Okay. So the reason you want to do the steps is to get armed with those facts. And the reason you want to tell it straight is if I just tell you about all the horror stories, we may not relate to one another. But everyone knows the depths of pain, that we've discovered in our pits of despair. So so if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So we don't oftentimes take the time when we're working with people and you want to slow down. Number one, if you want what we have, they'll say find someone who's got what you want and then ask them. I ain't we either. No one you meet in Modern Fellowships we, so we'd have to see what it is they had, if I'm going to do this honestly, right? right? They said that you had to learn to fully concede your innermost self, that you're an alcoholic, this is the first step in recovery, can't do that based on a lie. If I honestly don't want it, it ain't going to matter how many times I pretend to ask for it. Does it make sense? So let's go back and see what they had. Twenty-five? I'm asking Sean because he keeps me honest. Okay, thanks. Okay, middle of the page. What they had. The great fact is just this and nothing less. That we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. Deep and effective spiritual experiences. Then I have another little piece that you can read about what that looked like to them. Um, The effect of that was that which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. So that may not sound like much to you for religious people that have been redeemed and come out of their stupor but think about atheists and agnostics declared god does not exist or god cannot be proven to exist that's foolishness and now they're completely revolutionized in the way they view everything they see and they recognize that this is god's universe it's pretty profound witness for people something profound must have happened don't you think so then it says the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. They not only believe God is, they believe God dwells in them to a man. Pretty profound. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in and through. Somebody got a little flow there, huh? <laughs> That's the power we call God. That didn't happen in here. That's happening in you. Okay, so he, he has commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. How many of you have had that discovery already? Things just started happening, and you had to be honest. Every once in a while, you kind of wanted to take a little credit. <laughs> but it's like, shit, man, I did not plan this. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So they go on to tell us that... Um, well, i got to get back to the other part of the book. So, do we want what they had? Are we willing to go to any lengths to get it? If we're honest, we're willing to go to certain lengths to get it, and then, you know, keep it, right? I'm willing to listen a little longer. Okay. So then we're ready. If, if we want what they have, we're willing to go to any lengths to get it, and they'll define any as we go, because it's interesting. That any just kind of goes out in front of us, right? All right, so at some of these, we balked. Any of you ever looked at the steps on the wall, yeah. Yeah. So that I can handle that one and that one, but we're going to shade this one a little. <laughs> we, could, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. So everyone to a person tried to sh- skimp and found that they could not. So when you try and skimp and find that you cannot, wel- welcome to the path, <laughs> okay? We have a perfect power but it inhabits our imperfect forms, and, and we'll grow through that imperfection. Does it make sense? Yeah. So, so with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So the absolutely is a good uh, thing to emphasize, but where did the main problem of the attic come from? In Centers in the mind, and that's an old idea factory. How many of you think you know what they mean when they say old ideas? And then you're puzzled by being annoyed at something that you really had no reason to be annoyed. Any of you ever, like, just walked in? So we have these old ideas that only, only serving others presents to us our old ideas and allows us the healing we need to outgrow them. So, so... um Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? God power. God power, interchangeable. Yes, sir. So what do we really believe, even though we can profess it? How many of you thought someone else caused how you thought or felt today? The rest of your life so we're walking asleep and it isn't until we think someone else is causing our pain that we have an opportunity to awaken but only if we go inward to seek the power right what, what are you showing me what are you showing you, got, you get what they're saying so, so may you find him now so that's important the reason I wanted you to where, where are we going looking now I don't need the lights the scenery and the ballet to be adjusted I need to go inside and get some wisdom Some power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So this says half measures availed us nothing. How many of you have given it a half measure or two and thought, shit, it got me at least half. (laughs) And it wasn't until you realized you had nothing after something went wrong that you realized it really availed. Any of you ever do that? Thought you made a short cut and then ended up reintroduced to the same teacher? We stood at the turning point. We ask his protection and care with complete abandon. So now they've had their encounter, power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. Somebody pointed out to them, that's the power we call God. If you'll walk in this way, if you'll serve, you'll come to know that you're in relationship. right. All right. So here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. I'm not going to read through the steps, but I'm going to go over to page 60, and i to look at their response to it. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. How many of you looking at the steps on the wall? can? You might not have been that polite about it. But the the thought about a searching and fearless moral inventory, sharing it with somebody else, making amends for harms done, even being able to have the mental capacity to create a list for all the people I've harmed, for God's sake. Have you ever contemplate what that is? So all of us, so many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. And what is our response? Do not be discouraged. I know I hear bullshit, but that is not true. Because to a person, we've looked at it and go, I can't do this. No, you can't from here. But you will have what you need when you get where you're going. Walk with us. Right? Right? So do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. Are you willing to grow along spiritual lines? Are you willing to improve your consciousness, your awareness of being aware of power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowing into you on an ongoing basis? Remember my problem was I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, unless I can experience that sense of ease and comfort. So they didn't take away my dependency. I shifted it to the divine, to the creator. And I remain every bit as dependent, if not more dependent. Okay. So we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after made clear three pertinent ideas. So we're going to go through the three pertinent ideas, and we're going to see how they broke it down, and then we're going to take a look at the rest of the decision, right? So, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Notice how they separated those two things. How many of you have been through your step process at least through one and two? How many of you noticed you copped to unmanageability in one, but you didn't learn about it till two? So they tricked you into an act of faith before you ever got started. See why you don't change the book? Because it's written so well as to get you moving forward into. So, what is the unmanageability of my life? Pray to misery and depression, can't seem to be of real help to other people, can't make a living. I can get a job, but you can't keep a job. <laughs> or, uh, anyway, I have done that with a parrot. Um, I really have lived in my car with a parrot and it's a big motherfucker too Uh, so B that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and C that God couldn't would if he were sought so so these pertinent ideas are what is going to manifest into a decision and a decision implies action So we got to go back to what the old-timers always used to school us. If there's three frogs on a log and one makes a decision to jump, how many frogs are on the log? All three, because all they did was make a decision they didn't jump. There's no evidence of a decision until an action is taken. Okay, so being convinced we were at step three. See, I don't have the power to enact a decision yet because I haven't really done the third step because I haven't asked the power I encountered in two to enjoin me in this search within me. So the next, I'll, I'll have an inventory going once I've made a decision. Make sense? Okay. So, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? So over the years, people have said, it's the God of your understanding. That's not what they said. So be careful because well-meaning people deceive because they were taught something that's false. Bill told you clearly how he understood God. He had been an atheist, then he said, "I'm probably an agnostic, and then he said, Ebby came to the door and he was overwhelmed by presence and he started having these remarkable experiences and then he figured out that there was a miracle sitting across the table from him because Ebby could not be sober. And he said, at long last, I saw Ebby sitting across from me. I felt, and then I believed. If God isn't real, that ain't the right one. I don't care how many people with how many digits tell you otherwise. Precise instructions, as we understood him, is not the same as as you understand him. Because it's not your testimony. Okay. So just what do we mean by that and what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So are you convinced? Based on what? Based on your experience. And now read the sentence again. It says any life. So I've got to be convinced that any life. So I've got to quit judging how I'm thinking and feeling by the way I see you act or hear you speak. That's going to require power greater than me. Sometimes I feel like I've just fallen into a bucket of assholes. Right? So, on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Ever had that experience? Checked your motives, motives are good, and they still didn't respond the way you thought, and you're just fucking with my selflessness. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Listen to the words they use. They use the words they mean, they mean the words they say. They're just talking to us about people now. When they want to talk about me, they'll say alcoholic. When they're talking about the rest of the world, they'll just say people. Each person, like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. How many of you have ever had that belief? How many of you had everybody kind of do it the way they were supposed to and you still weren't pleased? (laughs) Life would be wonderful in trying to make these arrangements. Our actor might sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. Is that you? you. We we Describe Sean, anyone else? (laughs) Modest, self-sacrificing, kind. Come on, I encourage you to find yourself there. We're talking about humans. Every human has these traits. You know, our motto here, our operating code, is that we empower the innate goodness in every human being. We believe it here. I want you to believe it, where you sit. It's in you. Kind, tolerant, considerate, patient. It's all there. On the other hand, you may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you recognize yourself there? How many are pretty sure you recognize Sean there? <laughs> but as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. So there, we're going to start acknowledging our human condition here, right? We're, set aside the alcoholic condition, because for that I'm hopeless. I'm going to need a new dependency. So I'm going to have to own my humanity in order to get what I need, yeah? OK, so what usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. Any of you get there? How many of you have been there this week? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. And still the play does not suit him. So have you tried it both ways? Have you tried to will your way into a situation by being kind and when that didn't work, just went off? (laughs) Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. How many of you can relate to that? You know why that's a bad plan? Because there's one who has all power. So if I'm assigning that to you, who I believe is attacking me, I'm in deep doo-doo. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? When they put a question mark, they want you to go inward. So eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. Go introspective. Your eyes are lying to you. There's a reason you're having this experience. Yeah? Okay. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? How many of you have discovered that about yourself and were a little disappointed? Because you meet them on both sides, right? We meet people that are just fine with being a self-seeker and proud of it. And it's not working out good for them. And then we meet the people, I always give more than I have. And yet you're in the same fucking detox with me. How did it happen? Perhaps I missed something. Make sense? So whatever end of the spectrum we're on... We've got some fear driving us that's manifesting in ways that's not serving us, yes? Yes. Okay. So is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? So am I so enamored with your opinion of me that I'm doing something I really don't want to do and I'm going to be disappointed because you didn't receive it? (laughs) None of you have ever done that? None of you ever desperately wanted someone to like you, so you started acting in a way that you thought they would like? And then, then they still didn't like you, and now you didn't like you. <laughs> they don't have a chance to like you because you never showed them the real you. Yeah. And if, if you don't like you, it won't matter how much you try to make. The, you know what I mean? It's just a, so, so he becomes angry and di- indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Have you noticed that we're a little interconnected in this world? Do you understand why they're saying it's delusion to think that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of the world if I manage well? How many of you had it all mapped out and it still didn't go according to plan? Come on, guys, we know tragedies that are that way. I had a plan for my oldest child. He killed it, it didn't work out, and yet I serve because it's easier than staying in the spirit of grievance. Does that make sense? Okay. So, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? Have you ever had anyone find out that you really weren't in charge while you were running around acting in charge? (laughs) And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate snatching all they can get out of the show? you ever figure out there's a whole bunch of you thought you were in charge and none of you were in charge? Yeah. <laughs> is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Yeah. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations, are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, and our self-pity. And if we can own that, then we'll know what they mean that I've been defeated by manifestations of self. Right, So the reason I'm going to want to look in my inventory is see what those manifestations of self are. Because the object of this manner of living is for you to not think, not believe, but to know who you are and whose you are. And once you know that, then you'll just continue to grow. Because that's he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Self-centeredness, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So I'm always careful here For if you're new and you haven't read this book Remember this is their experience, they wrote it after an experience they had had. These guys had been in the manner of living for years at at this period of time, one to four years, some more. The point of the matter is they're writing this part in past tense. So many of us had difficult upbringings, we had difficult adult relationships. You were harmed by people, you were harmed by institutions, you were harmed by things. We're not saying that you had a part in that. What we're saying is if you're still dying in a spirit of grievance over that, even though you've had the power to get through that, that if we can arm you with the facts about yourself, we can, in serving others, get you the power to heal you from that. Yes. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so no one's saying what you went through is not valid, but what I'm saying is what you went through prepared you to be a warrior. But we don't fight with our fists anymore. We fight with the fists of our mind. We love radically. Right? Okay. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. Well, that's a problem. The main problem centers in the mind. And the solution's deep down inside of me. I got a war going on within me. Who's going to win? The one I feed. Feed the spirit, the spirit wins. Feed the world... You're powerless to stop what the world delivers. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will-run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So now they're talking about me. Remember I told you they were talking about people? They're just regular examples of self-will-run riot. Now they're talking about me. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an extreme example of self-will-run riot, and I don't think so. What's the chances I can live long and happily in the world? If I don't gain access to power and get this ship turning the other way, I don't stand a chance, right? Right? So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. That's why I like people to know that sitting in the rooms is the fellowship and the book is the program. I've sat in rooms for years and heard people say things like, I wish those people out there would get a program like we got in here, and of course they mean the fellowship. And I'm sitting there in my very best non-judgmental harumph and I wish these people in here would get a program like we got in here. <laughs> and then I wouldn't have to listen to that inane nonsense coming out of... But that's not a spiritual response. because That's my human coming out. So we muster, it kills us, and God makes that possible. The world does not have to conform to me. The world doesn't have to concern itself with whether it triggers me. What I need to do is be a healing instrument, the hands and feet the spearhead of God's ever-advancing creation, and i got to stay awake to that because I know the end of the story. He wins. So God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So how many of you look at that and go, I don't know, I could probably get rid of self without his aid? How many of you have contemplated that if you're aware of self, you're not rid of self? So the very notion that you could get rid of self means you're full of self. (laughs) So it can only happen when we're unaware of self, focused on others. So there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Have you ever had that experience? Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. So how many of you tried? They said we had to have God's help. So by this point, they're telling you, I know God's real. God is philosophical comfort. So when I'm in a storm within me and I'm wanting to lash out at you, if I can resist lashing out at you and say, God, comfort me, then I have the ease and comfort I need in the world without going out in the world to get it. I don't have to arrange the lights and the scenery and the ballet. Okay. All right, so this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? Because it didn't work, which is why we come to recovery fellowships and reentry centers and things, right? Because whatever we were doing wasn't working as well as we had mapped out. So, next, we decided that here and after in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So, what does a director do? Direct. So, I don't need to go take action that's not given to me, right? Yeah. Any of you ever discovered that your opinion was worth less to others than it was to you? <laughs> Even professionals get their money first before they render an opinion just so you know. God was going to be our director. He's the principal, and we're his agents. He's the father, and we're his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone, the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. The idea of a concept is that there is a God, and he is supreme, and I am an actor in this play that is my life. Make sense? Do you guys ever figure out why we get everything arranged and it still doesn't turn out? Because this is the show that's my life. And while I'm out there arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, I'm not there to play my part when the light pans to me. So the show couldn't come off because I wasn't ready, I wasn't ready to play. So goes on to tell us on page 63 that when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. Those of you that are of the Christian faith, signs and wonders, follow us. Those of you who are not, I'm just, half of the original fellowship were atheists and agnostics, the other half were believers, but believe that. The blind see, the lame walk, the captives are set free. Don't believe that, come hang out with us here. We had a new employer, the E in employer is capital, there are no small tasks performed for God. Any of you ever had a job that you felt diminished in? Any of you come to know your creator and said, there, found out there's no such thing? There's no job that you're assigned when he's your employer that is diminishing. In fact, take care of the simple things and more will be added. Um, And if you don't believe that, watch. I watched the people move in here and they got one white box. And when they leave, they got like a whole luggage cart full of stuff. That's 90 days. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him, performed his work well. Where do we find God? Deep down, Deep down inside. How do I keep close to him? They're going to teach me about prayer and meditation, searching fearlessly. They're going to teach me a manner of living that keeps me close in consciousness and awareness of being aware to the power we call God. And his work is what? If you love me, feed my sheep. That's his work. Go you're healed, go heal. Right? Okay. So he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work. Well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Given that self was killing me, isn't it good that once I'm on that footing, as I'm, once I'm following the Redeemer, that I become less and less interested in self? Not because I want to be less interested in self. To try and be less interested in myself is to focus on self. But if I'll focus on you and how to meet your needs, I'll just be less and less interested in myself. Our little plans and designs. How many of you discovered that even, no matter how big your plans and designs may have been for your life, they would have missed the mark? So, more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, I always like to call attention to that. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to feel new power flow in, and it's going to enable me to enact a decision, first to find out the facts about me and to share them with somebody else and come to know this experience we call God as an informing spirit and a teacher. Yeah. Cause I'm going to learn all that by the fifth step. It's a lot, but it really will happen. So as we enjoyed peace of mind, how many of you would just love to, where's my guys that are fairly new and have trouble sleeping still? Well, I know you're here. Enjoying peace of mind is, is better than any dope we've ever even considered, isn't it? Dude, it happens for everyone. Everyone, we've got to grow in relation because sleep is a gift of the divine. And it all comes in new identity. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence. See, I know I can face life successfully when I'm aware that I'm aware of the presence of the creator of the universe. And all that happens when I'm in fear is I've lost identity. Temporarily. So we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. And in case any of you think I'm getting over-religious, there's their experience. I'm not afraid today. I'm not afraid of tomorrow, because today's all i got to deal with. And I'm not afraid of the hereafter, because mine's sealed. Make sense? So we're now at step three. That guy's been talking forever, and he said that like 30 (laughs) minutes ago. So, says, so many of us said to our maker as we understood him. Notice it's in italics. You'll see that on every time they put it on the wall. You notice it's always as we understood him. So you've got to go back to who we is. And it's always understood, not understand. Because the God I understood then is not the God I understand now. Because having formed this relationship and worked at improving my conscious relation, I now move in his understanding. Well, who needs mine? He lives in my future. Why do I want my understanding? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Always. Then they give us a cautionary tale. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to Him. So I'm going into a state of preparedness. I have to know what's in front of me. I know there's an inventory. I know there's a confession. I know there's a preparation for a list of amends. Those, they're going to free me up, fit me in the Spirit. I'm going to start growing in prayer and meditation all in preparation so that I can go out and find the hopeless in the world and introduce them to the power that restores. And not for a minute, for a lifetime, right? So I, it's, it's not a little decision, so I want to contemplate. I'm going to need power to do that. I've, I've been gung-ho about joining shit all my life, and I didn't stick. So it takes power to stick, right? Okay. That we can at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. I only point that out to you because over the years people have printed that on a card and put an amen on it. You'll notice there is no amen here. I'm not asking for agreement because my eyes aren't open yet. So I can't at last abandon myself utterly to him because I don't even know what I'm looking at. I haven't counted the cost before I started the journey, which is a fundamental flaw. So there is no amen here because I'm not asking for agreement. What I'm asking for is power to look inward and find out what I was like, what happened, what I hope to be like going forward. Right? Okay. So then it goes on to tell us we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person. Such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. How many of you have wanted to do that? I want to say this prayer with somebody. I want to say this prayer in a group. I want to say this prayer with whatever. So a lot of people do that. So they're going to give us a caution about that. It's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. So do not yoke yourself to unbelievers. Do not enter in lightly to a decision. There's an effect produced. You definitely want not to have the effect dampened. People that don't understand really can't come in agreement with what you're agreeing to. Have you ever had people that knew you, okay, you're in that 12 step thing. Why you gotta go to this meeting? Dude, it ain't about the meetings. You haven't drank in years. Yeah, (laughs) fucking working, huh? (laughs) There's a whole manner of living. I'm gonna have to get up from the dinner table and go get somebody who called me because he's twisted off again. And they're gonna expect, why why would you do that? Well, because it's insurance, dude. Remember what a train wreck I was? Remember that house we burned down together? So it's better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. That's why I don't really like printed, pre-printed. And I prefer, especially with my people that are a little soft on their belief, write your own prayer. God knows how you talk. Speak sincerely to the deliverance you want. I guarantee you, you'll undershoot. Dude, all I wanted was a job a few years ago. Now I've got this hospital for God's people. It's a true story. And if you're not capable of prayer, that's fine. Just whatever you can utter is fine. God knows, right? All right, so it says voicing it without reservation, which is why I say that you cannot fully concede your innermost self based on a lie. God knows your condition. So when you're, when you're there, God knows, right? This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. This is the reason I don't want people who don't understand enjoined in my me, why I may want to go meet God alone. Go look in a mirror, read your prayer to yourself in the mirror. Honestly and humbly made, an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once to a person. And some of them they did with people, so they felt them feeling it. How many of you have done a second or a third step with someone and felt them get hit with the spirit? They know denying that. How many of you have had them try and deny it and you go, well, <laughs> you and I are both all lit up. You can lie all you want to. Right? You can't lie to me without my permission. If you got hit by the Holy Ghost, you don't have to get up and dance for me to know. I got my hit. Sit there quietly. Right? That's why we do fifth steps, too. We get through two and three. We can't wait for five when they really unburden. So sometimes none of that will happen. So I'll tell you a little story, and then I'm going to be done a little early tonight. One time I was working with a guy who had been in recovery for ten years, and he had never done the steps, which is not very uncommon, unfortunately. And he encountered me and I said, dude, you, you might want to do the steps. I mean, that's the program that, you know, here is the program of recovery suggested, right? It's, it's not a meeting list, it's a steps. So, so he said, okay, cool. So I went through and did a one, two, three with him. And then I said, just sit tight with that I said, "Say your prayer later at night, and then call me and tell me what the effect was." So I didn't hear from him till nine o'clock or something that night, and he calls me and was noticeably agitated. And he says, "Well, I said that prayer, and I didn't feel nothing, but my inventory's done, and I'd like to go over it with you tomorrow." I said to the man, 10 years in recovery, you never did an inventory. And now you have one in less than six hours. Some people might consider that an effect. So that's it for three, folks. Next week, we're looking at four.